yo, what's up, fam? Welcome to the Sonship and Sexuality Podcast. This episode is the season two kickoff for the podcast, man. I'm so excited. I want to give a quick shout out to everyone that's been listening, streaming uh, over the last season one. It was awesome and incredible to even hear testimonies and be able to talk to many of you in person or through DMs of just how God is helping shape your understanding of what sexual integrity looks like. So thank you guys for all of you that came through season one and now we're starting season two. It's such a fun time. And for those of you that are new, man, this episode, this podcast, it's all going to be geared towards young adults living with sexual integrity in all stages of life. So if you're a young adult and you're not in a relationship, you're a young adult and you're dating, you're a young adult and you're engaged, you're a young adult and you're married, regardless of the stage, all of us have to learn how to steward sexual integrity well as young adults. I don't care if you're not married or if you are married, we all need to learn how to walk in sexual integrity today. So I'm stoked to have you on the journey. We have some great episodes lined up for season two, and I'm stoked to have these conversations with you. So before we get started, just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, please, for me, would you rate and would you subscribe to this podcast? If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, man, it would help me and it would help the exposure of this show if you would just drop a quick comment, rate it, and subscribe. That would help me and help me reach others better with this message. Also, you can share the link with friends. I do social media posts quite often, so share what I post on my social media or just copy the link wherever you're listening to and send it to some friends. We all have friends that want to grow in their sexual integrity as young adults, so help them out. Shoot them a link to this. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. All right, let's jump into the main content for this episode. This episode, kicking off season two, is called Designer Sex. Come on, Designer Sex. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, man, we're gonna get real. We're gonna get really real because, hey, the world doesn't hold back. The world shows and tells and says and does all sorts of things up in your face every day. So we're gonna get real today. We're gonna have real conversation about designer sex. See, sex was created by God with a specific design. He made sex work in a very specific way, Uh, not just physically, but uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He made it work with a specific design in mind. Now, God designed sex to be between a man and a woman within the covenant of marriage. It's biblical, period. That's what I believe. That's what I see in the scripture as I read it. That's how God designed it. So why is there this very specific design? Because design indicates purpose. When you design something specific, it is meant to fulfill a specific purpose. If we as Christians believe that God created sex, then we also have to believe that he designed it. So he created sex, he designed it, and if he designed it, it's meant to fulfill a specific purpose. Now, this is where the world likes to jump in and say, well, it can look like this, or it can be used in this way, or it can uh, be explained in this way, or translated, applied over in this way. And I think this is where it gets messy, because as Christians, we have to stand on the Word of God and say, well, this is what the Word of God says. It has a, a specific created design, which means it has a specific created purpose. And so today, we're going to talk about what that purpose looks like in designer 
sex, God being the designer of sex. One of my favorite examples uh, from a movie that is hilarious that I love um, to give an example of how sometimes the world and culture can take something that was designed and use it in a way that it really wasn't intended to be used and could have consequences. So an example of that would come from the movie She's the Man, right? Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum, really funny movie, a little bit old, uh, but I still think it's hilarious. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, you might not remember the scene, but if you have, you'll remember the tampon scene. Yep. If you just need to take a quick pause in the podcast and go watch this scene right now, it would help you a lot in this illustration example that I'm going to give you. But in the movie, Amanda Bynes' character, she's disguised as a man because she wants to be on the soccer team, blah, blah, blah. So then she's caught uh, in her room. She's roommates with Channing Tatum, and she is caught in the room with tampons falling out of her bag. So Channing and a couple of his buddies are like, why do you have tampons in your bag? What is this? And so then... Amanda Bynes is like, well, uh, it's, uh, mm, uh, they're great for, uh, nosebleeds. They're great. They're great for nosebleeds. They, they help with nosebleeds. Have you never used one for nosebleeds? Channing and his buddies are like, all right, that's really disturbing. That's weird. This guy, quote unquote guy is weird. And they kind of discount it and laugh it off and great. You move on. Well, a couple scenes later, Amanda Bynes' character walks back into the room with Channing in there and Channing's chilling on the bed. And what does he have in his nose? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he has a tampon up his nose because he had a bloody nose earlier. And of course, Amanda Bynes freaks out, but then it's like, oh no, it's cool. Yeah, that's that's what I do all the time. It's a silly illustration. It's a really funny scene. You should go watch it. But it gives us a good example of how something that was designed, the tampon, was specifically designed for a specific purpose. But in the scene, it was being utilized in a different way. And yes, although tampons probably could work, help with nosebleeds, I haven't personally tried. Let me know if you have. Still weird. I'm with Channing. That's weird. It's not what tampons were designed to do. They have a specific purpose. But in the same way, the enemy likes to come to create alternatives to God's original design of sex. In all things that the enemy does, the enemy's main goal is to take what God designed for good and take that and cheapen it, distort it, twist it. Why does the enemy do that? Because if the enemy can make people forsake the original designed intent, it will lose the power of its purpose. If we take away the design that God has for sex, we can use it in alternative ways. We can have sex in alternative ways other than what God designed, but then the purposes of why God created sex the way he did will be empty. We won't reach those purposes. You see, the enemy cannot create, so he has to copy. A copy is a cheap version of the original design. The enemy wants to get the credit for cheap sex. So he uses culture to help accomplish his goal. We see culture currently be submerged more and more into a cheapened view of sex. Sex is cheap. You can give it away. It doesn't cost you much and it's great. You can use it however you want. And we see it in a variety of ways in our culture. We see it obviously through pornography, how it's just become so culturally accepted. It's a joke in movies. It's just accepted that guys and now even more girls are watching pornography and it shapes the way that we see our sexuality. We expect to see nudity 
and, and sex scenes in movies and shows and it's artistic or it's just expected. It's what couples do when they fall in love in a movie or a show. They, they should have sex because they love one another. Um, even, even things like uh, levels to sex, right? Like, well, there's levels to this. Like we're just making out or we're not going all the way. We're doing some things, but we're not going all the way or how sleeping around is even called test driving, right? It's a test. It's, it's not for real. We're just kind of like testing. We're getting better and we're seeing if we're a fit. We're seeing if we're, we can work long-term. And these are all ways that the enemy takes our culture and twists and contorts the sexuality that God intended, he purposed with specific things in mind. So we're going to talk about three things and how God specifically designed sex for these three things to happen in marriage. And as you hear these three things, I want you to really think, do I think about these three things when I think about sex? I think one of them we will, but the other two, maybe not so much. And so I want you guys to think about this, not just where you are now, but for your marriage, right? So whether you're not married and you're thinking about your future marriage, or maybe you are married and you haven't thought about sex in this way, I want you to think about these three purposes that God had in mind when he designed sex. The first purpose of designer sex that we're going to talk about today is procreation. Procreation. Genesis 3 verses 27 through 28. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Both male and female, he created them. God blessed them, blessed Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Yes, Lord. And fill the earth and subdue it. What I want you to take away from these verses is that we are created in the image of God. So when we come together in marriage, sexually, as God intended and designed, we have the opportunity to be a part of God's creative work. We reflect male and female coming to God, made in the image of God. Man, when we have sex as a married couple, we are representing the image of God and his design for sex in that moment. In that moment, God is pleased. He is worshiped. Why? Because we are utilizing the gift that he has given us, thank God, for his worship. We worship him in that. And that might be kind of a weird thought to think about, but when we come together as male and female, as he created us, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, we are representing him and his design in the earth. It also means we have an invitation, an opportunity to partner with the ultimate creator, God himself, in order to create life. And when life is created, when a man and a woman come together and the woman conceives, life is created and that life is made in the image of God. So if you think about it, it's really cool in this way that, hey, when the the husband and the wife, man, they have sex and then a baby comes from that. We are saying we get to be a part of your creative work in creating a human being. And a human being is made in the image of God. So God allows the married couple to partner with him in the creative process. Man, that is such a cool thought to think about that this is what we get invited into. It's an opportunity. It's a benefit of marriage that we get to be invited into the ultimate creative experience. Marriage gives the couple an invitation to have a revelation of God as creator. In marriage, we get to creatively partner with the creator God through 
procreation. So this is the first uh, area that we wanted to talk about is, hey, it's, 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 a, it's a benefit, but it's a purpose. It, it, sex was created with the purpose in mind of procreation. And couples choose to be a part of that. Couples say, hey, I want to be a part of the creative work of what God is doing by, hey, we're going to bring a baby into the world through the help of God, the creator, using us, using the way he created us and designed us to create. And man, it's such a such a cool thought that we get to be with the creator God, the same creator God that meant formed the stars, the heavens, the earth, every animal, every part of the earth. Man, he created so many cool things, but the coolest thing he created was mankind. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. So, Designer sex, one of the purposes of designer sex is procreation. The second purpose God had in mind through designer sex is pleasure. Let me just say it again, pleasure. Now, I don't know about you, but some people grew up in an environment, whether spoken or unspoken, where sex was simply for procreation. It's the first one. It's in Genesis. They say be fruitful, multiply. That's what sex is about. So all of the talk that you hear about save sex for marriage, in your mind, whether spoken or unspoken, you have this idea that, hey, sex is for making babies, period. That's it. But God brings in this awesome part of designer sex called pleasure. Now, in Christianity, it's hard to hear the word pleasure and accept it. Because sometimes we have this idea that well, Christianity is hard and we have to gut through it and, and we just have to we have to work hard and you know marriage marriage is it's not easy, so we have to just you know put our head down and, and do what we need to do so that marriage can be successful. But that's not the picture that God gives in his word about sex. Let's take a look at Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 19. Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 19. Starting in verse 15, it says, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for sharing with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Come on, somebody. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, May her breasts satisfy you at all times. May you be intoxicated always by her love. Now, tell me, when you hear that, does that sound like duty? Does that sound like obligation? Does that sound like the boring sex in marriage that culture often portrays? Not to me, it doesn't. To me, there's a lot of rejoicing and delight and pleasure in those verses. And, and in, in these scriptures, it talks about how we aren't just to share this gift with anyone. It's actually meant for the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. It talks about rejoicing with the wife of your youth. Come on, like enjoying one another, being together. If you need new scripture, just go to the book of Song of Solomon, okay? Just read through that and then tell me that sex is just duty and obligation. No, no, no. Sex was meant to be enjoyed. And I think sometimes we get this idea either from the church or from culture that sex, man, it was just for procreation or it's boring. I don't know where you got that lie, but it's a lie. It's not boring. Oftentimes culture 
portrays it this way. Man, me and my wife, we never get to have sex anymore. I'll be lucky if I have sex once in six months. Or the wife saying, well, my husband's boring. He brings no adventure to the bedroom. And we hear these kind of phrases or jokes in movies that basically portray marriage as boring, routine, and that sex was only to have kids. But now when you have kids, you, you don't have sex. and It's just this boring picture. And that's not a very good vision of how God intended sex to be. God intended sex within marriage to be pleasurable. The ultimate bonding experience with your spouse. Marriage sex is supposed to be pleasurable, fun, adventurous, exciting, passionate. And if you don't have this idea of designer sex that includes pleasure, then you will always look at marriage as a, a well, this is going to have to be a, a season of boring, a season of, oh, well, I guess this is just what we have to have now, or this is what God has given us. No, marriage sex is a gift. And, and here's what the cool thing is. It gives us a revelation of the goodness of God. Yes, designer sex, pleasure, the purpose of pleasure in designer sex gives us a revelation of the goodness of God. An example that I like to think about when it comes to God designing our bodies simply to experience goodness is in the human tongue, okay? The human tongue could have been just functional, right? Could have been just functional. It could have been, hey, make sure that no food goes down into the stomach that's too hot or too cold. Make it basically just sense hot and cold, and that's all the tongue could have been. God totally could have designed the tongue to do that. Instead, he created the tongue with taste buds. Come on, somebody. There are an average between 2,000 and 4,000 different taste buds on the average human tongue. God, again, could have made it just a very functional tongue, but he made it a fun tongue, right? We can experience so many flavors. Think about your favorite foods, the favorite drinks that you enjoy, the snacks, your favorite piece of gum. The things that you enjoy are because you have taste buds. God did not have to create us with taste buds, but he did. And praise God that he did. I get to experience and taste and enjoy ice cream, chipotle burritos, come on somebody, fresh watermelon, that, that favorite brew of Ethiopian coffee. Man, there are so many flavors and experiences that we get to have. Mexican food or, or Chinese or your favorite burger or pizza. All of these things, right? They're all different tastes and sensations and experiences. And God has given us the gift of taste buds so that we can enjoy those experiences. In the same way, God could have made sex completely functional. Hey, we're just going to use it for procreation. No enjoyment in this. Just it's the duty. Get it done. No, God said, hey, I'm going to make sex awesome. I'm going to make sex fun for them. Why? Because I'm good and I want them to experience my goodness in this design. I designed sex so that they could experience fun and adventure and passion all so that I am glorified and so that when they are in marriage like this, they can enjoy one another. Because when we experience the goodness of sex within marriage, we experience the goodness of God. We glorify him through honoring his design for sexuality. Marriage sex gives us the opportunity to experience God's goodness. And if you were ever going to say amen to anything, that is an amen, amen, yes. So designer sex, it's for procreation, it's for pleasure, and the third area is protection. 
So we have procreation, we have pleasure, and now we have protection. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is really important for understanding the designer sex purpose for your sex life, either in the future or now as a married person. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and this is what he says. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. This is Bible. This is Bible. Just remember that. <laughs> Verse four, the wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and only for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's the main theme I want you to pull away from this, right? Culture is attacking you. Culture is tempting you. Culture comes at you and has no regrets. It has no shame. Man, you look at uh, your phone, at social media, the shows you like, the movies that you watch, billboards going down the street, the music you listen to, it is unashamedly telling you sex was meant for you and you alone. So whatever makes you feel good, whatever you want to do, do it. You want to have an affair? Do it. Life is short. Just, just do it. Hey, you wanna you wanna step outside of marriage in this way a little bit? Okay, like that's okay because it's gonna make you feel good. It's all about you, you, you. But God created sex, designer sex, for protection. Why? Because He knew the people of God would be attacked before marriage and after marriage. And I think this is the thing that you know I didn't hear a lot about growing up. And I feel like now that I'm married, I'm I'm learning this more and more. Is that purity was not meant for just before marriage. Purity was meant for after marriage because purity is a lifestyle. So many of us have connected purity with virginity. I'm pure if I have virginity and if I don't have it, I'm not pure. But actually, no, because you, you we do want you to have purity before marriage. But if you made a mistake, there's grace and, and there's mercy in that and God wants to redeem you and your marriage in the future in that. But then if you look at life after marriage, it doesn't mean you just can stop being pure because you're married. Because purity is not virginity. Let's just really make sure you guys understand that. Purity is a lifestyle of honoring God, and then when you're married, honoring your spouse with your mind, your heart, and your body. You're honoring God and your spouse with your heart, mind, and body. And guys, it's crazy the statistics of affairs. It's crazy the statistics that Christian men who are married who still struggle with pornography, how sexuality comes and attacks, yes, even strong Christian couples. And as a Christian, after you get married, you're still going to be called to walk in purity. So here's what Paul is saying. The enemy is going to attack. The enemy is going to come after your sex life. So he even says here, do not deprive each other from sex other than by mutual consent and only for a time. So in that time, devote yourself to prayer, seek God, but then come back together again. Have sex so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. See, God knew in designer sex, as he designed sex, 
that the church, the people of God, would be attacked by the culture around them. And that's exactly what we are facing today is even as Christians, either unmarried or married, we're all getting the same download. The only difference is that as a married person, you say, hey, having sex with my spouse helps that. It protects us, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. See, marriage sex protects us from the temptations of the world and strengthens both our relationship with our spouse and with God. So it's really important that you understand that sex was intended to be a protection. It's supposed to protect us from, again, the things that the enemy would throw at us. So in review, designer sex was meant to be for procreation, pleasure, and protection. So as we wrap up the episode today, I want to leave you with a thoughtful challenge for you to consider. Are you living with God's design in mind for sex? Or have you bought into a cultural design of what sex ought to be? Again, let me just say that again. It's really important that as a young adult, you ask yourself this question. Are you living with God's design in mind for sex? Or have you bought into a cultural design of what sex ought to be? My encouragement to you as a young adult is to consider this, reflect on it, pray about it, talk to the Lord about it, talk to maybe a couple close friends or if you're married with your spouse so that you can have a healthy understanding of what designer sex was meant to be. Not what culture tells you it ought to be, but what God intended it to be. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Sonship and Sexuality podcast. Again, it would mean the world to me if you would uh, drop a review, a rating, and if you'd share the podcast with other young adults that you know want to live with sexual integrity. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Sonship and Sexuality podcast. Mm-hmm.